0: Hello and welcome to East Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong, China and other parts of Asia. I'm your host Paul Fox and joining me once again from his news desk at the top of the Lion Rock is Mr. Kevin Ma.
1: Hello everybody. We're back. Hey
0: Kevin, how you doing? Good, good. How about you, Paul? All right. It's uh, been a while. Been a while since we have been on a podcast recording together.
1: Yeah, I'm happy we finally uh, resolved our differences and stopped the feud yes. that, that never existed. The the the, yeah. the long-established,
0: uh, bitter, bitter <laughs> social media feud that uh, usurped online media for a year and a half. Yeah, maybe, maybe now the Beatles will also get back together. Hey, that could happen, you know, the yeah. beetles or something <laughs> like that, right? Um, so yes, this is a new show that we're starting off. Um, it's going to seem a little bare bones at first because uh, uh, as a producer, I sort of have to get back into the groove and, and uh, relearn a couple things. Uh, there's been, I think, two OSs out since uh, I recorded a podcast last. Some of the software that I've used has changed, but hopefully all of that will go unnoticed by our listeners out there. Um, so what is this show and how is this maybe going to be different from uh, the show that we did uh, before, Kevin?
1: Um, well, mainly because I still have my job at Film Business Asia, um, I still won't be able to review movies, but um, now that I'm more into the news thing, I feel like, well, okay, maybe I can do some news reporting, and so then I'll be main, doing mainly the the news stuff, and then, Paul, you'll be doing the film review, right?
0: Yeah, so we've decided that, um, again, if you're not familiar with our previous show, East Screen, West Screen... We used to both uh, discuss news and both cover movies from both Hong Kong and Hollywood and, and other areas. And we talked about it, and over the past year or so, we've bounced around ideas, and I think we've gotten to a place where we're both comfortable. Uh, because of his position um, as a news reporter for Film Pizzasia. Um Kevin, you know, wants to be very... Uh, What's what's the proper term I'm looking for? Uh, cautious, cautious, sensitive. You know, uh, <laughs> he doesn't want to step on any toes with people he might be, you know, possibly interviewing in the future. Um, so, in order to maintain that sort of sort of journalistic integrity, uh, you know, he doesn't want to be able to uh, offend anyone. So that's up to me. I'm going to be the offensive one, and I'm, I'm just going to lay it all out there because I don't <laughs> meet these people and I don't care uh, about <laughs> these people. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, so we thought that we'll let Kevin handle the news side of things and I will go ahead with an Asian film, usually a Hong Kong film review because we are based in Hong Kong and that's sort of where our central passion lies. But we'll extend out to, of course, China and the occasional Asian film. So basically we've trimmed down uh, from the old West screen side of things. I I imagine the occasional, uh, you know, discussion of of things might pop up as they... uh, steamroll over us. Like, you know, it's a big year for, of course, things like Avengers 2 and Star Wars and stuff like that. But primarily the focus is going to be on one film per episode, uh, one Asian film or Hong Kong film per episode, and whatever news uh, is currently happening uh, in the realm of Asian film. And hopefully the episodes will be a little bit shorter. Sometimes we used to run upwards of an hour and a half to two hours long. But we do hope to have the occasional guest on um, to give their thoughts so it won't be my sort of lone voice in the wilderness, um, giving you, you know, my ramblings about whatever the current film of the week is. So, yeah, I think that's going to be the format that we're going to go with. If you like that, uh, if you like what you're hearing, uh, do drop us a line. Uh, You can always hit us up at the site, which is over at uh, concast.com. And, of course, we're going to be on various social media. Um, We'll put all that stuff out there at the end of the show. All right, Kevin, so are you ready to uh, dive headlong into this? Yeah, let's, let's do some podcasting, man. All right. First up, Kevin with the news. What news do you have for us this week?
1: All right, we got well. It's it's our first show back, so I figured we'll take it easy and not do anything, you know, too heavy and uh, nothing, nothing too much specific to this week. So I mean, it's the, it's the start of a new year, and um, we should talk about what kind of movies we're looking forward to this year, um, both Western and East, uh, East, uh, mostly Hong Kong, of course. But then I'm sure your most anticipated film of the year, Paul, is the live at ad- live action adaptation of Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, yeah, yeah. 50 Come on, Shades right? of Grey. Uh, of course. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, Who cares about Star Wars? Nah, 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 like, we, nah. Don't need, we, we don't need this. They've already done six of those. You yeah. don't need that. To, yeah. It's,
0: uh, it's, it's just the top of my list. I'm a quiver with anticipation for that. <laughs> I, I can't tell you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: but no, seriously. Um, some of them. Well, of course, uh, uh, West Green is geeks that we are. Of course, we're looking forward to movies like you know Avengers and and Star Wars and I don't know what else is there for. Well, I
0: you know I had a discussion with some movie friends online, uh, in sort of a a, a geek community, and uh, people were talking about like you know most anticipated film, and of course you know Avengers was there, um, uh, Star Wars is there. But I gotta be honest, uh, the film that I'm most looking forward to from Hollywood this year, and people are gonna laugh, but it's Kung Fu Panda 3. Is it this year? Yeah, if they don't push back, I think it's slated for November, December release. Wow. And uh, I'm very, I I was, you know, they kinda left part two on a little bit of a a cliffhanger, plot-wise, and I've been anxious for them to get back into it, and I love animation. And I love DreamWorks, so I'm very excited for that film. I mean, uh, again, I know a lot of... Uh, maybe I'm going to lose a little bit of geek cred out there, but uh, that's if I had to pick one that I was going to see this year, that's the one I really want to see.
1: So so you're saying if, if you only have one Western film you're going to pick yeah. this year? Like if someone put a gun to your head and said you only yeah, watch one Western film. You're not
0: going to see Avengers. You're not going to see Star Wars. <laughs> you're not going to see anything else.
1: Pick the one film you want to see from this year. That's it, the one go. I really want to see. I
0: mean,
1: <laughs> so, Okay. Well, you... Well, it, you know, I I also am very fond of of Kung Fu Panda, so I understand the the excitement. Yeah. Um, I mean, last time we, if I remember correctly, we went up to
0: Shenzhen to see it because uh, they weren't showing it here in Hong Kong for uh, it was a good few weeks. A while. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we all went up there and watched. it. I hope not, I don't have to do that this time. So,
1: well, it is very very big in China. So let's see what happens. And actually, this is the first time. That they're working with China on the third Kung Fu Panda because uh, DreamWorks set up a company in uh, set in, uh, based in Shanghai called the Oriental DreamWorks, I believe. And yeah, Kung Fu Panda three will be produced out of that studio. I think it will be their first like huge production. So it'll be interesting to see real Chinese influence in you know a movie that's set in essentially miss- mythical China. Uh, finally, the third film of franchise. Yeah. Uh for okay. Uh, then what about E-Screen? What, what do we have this year coming? We'll talk about Lunar New Year later. I mean, because Lunar New Year itself is like a huge, huge topic because there are like nine movies coming on the 19th. Um, but well, Kevin,
0: up... Kevin, did did you, I mean, were you serious with your Fifty Shades of Grey? Or is there something that you're uh, anticipating a bit more than that for the year?
1: My God, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> See, i cares about Fifty Shades of Grey. See, our first show, we're offending people. Yeah, who cares about Fifty Shades of Grey? Um, but... <laughs> Um, you know, the thing is, I I watch a lot of things. And I like right now, if you ask me right now, what is the one film that I'm really, really excited for? And I really have no idea. I mean, yeah, watching the uh, uh, um, Star Wars trailer was great. Watching the Star, uh, Avengers trailers, you know, they release a new trailer every two weeks showing the same stuff. that's That's been working out well. But um, there are the films I'm looking forward to. We're looking for more short term. Uh, um anticipated films. We got, you know, Chappie, the new film from the director of uh District Nine. That's coming early March. Um we've got just looking just looking over a list right now very quickly. Um I think the, the we got the Fast and Furious film coming up, which is yeah. the final uh Paul Walker I think it might even be the final film of the franchise. I don't think I don't think they said anything like that, right?
0: I think uh I'm I think the director said he's done uh, the current director, so I don't, you know, if it makes money, uh, you know, it's hard to say with these kinds of things. I mean, I thought they were gonna stop at Transformers too. So
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it keeps making money, and I'm sure Fast and Furious Seven would keep making money. So, so you know, we can probably look forward to eight, nine, whatever, but maybe not the current cast. We'll see. Um, there's Mad Max coming in May, and the trailer was was pretty amazing. Um, Tomorrowland, which is the the uh, live action film from Brad Bird, uh, the director who did uh, who was at Pixar for a while, and he did uh, you know Incredibles and all those great films. Um, yeah, so so you know just just looking at the next few months, you already got some really great films coming. So I mean, I'm not even I'm not I even mean, I don't even looking I don't even know what's going to happen when like Star Wars rolls around. So it looks like it will be a pretty exciting year for fans of sequels and. Yeah stuff based on other stuff yeah
0: and and reboots too because i think we've got uh the new fantastic four trailer that just popped up and i think that's in august uh later this year so a lot a lot of stuff coming you know geeks are going to be happy and happy to be complaining about why they're not happy (laughs) uh for at least the duration of 2015 what about on uh, the asian side
1: on the Asian side, well, I'm I'm like the the film festival uh, dweller because I, I kind of have to follow these kind of things. So I mean, we're looking we're really looking forward to as far as you know, Con and and what's coming up at Khan. and and there are a couple of films, art house stuff. I'm looking forward to is part new film from Koreda Hirokazu, the director of uh, Nobody Knows and Like Father, Like Son. He has a new film coming in June. Uh, based on a manga called uh, *Seaside Diary*, uh, that's one thing I'm looking forward to. China, we might still have a new Guy Girl* film. Depends if it get if they solve the whole JC Chan issue. Of course, there's *Tiny Times 4. Hello. Oh yeah. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Of course, they were supposed to come out in, in the New Year, but I think that's run some delays due to the uh, you know the continuing shockwave from the jc chan slash ko chen tong arrest because ko chen tong has a small the taiwan actor he has a a small supporting role in in all four films and there might be some unofficially there's some some effect there i think to the release um what else are there Let's see korean with new See, all the big directors in Korea already made films last year. So they we were kind of on that cycle where, okay, we have another bunch of new directors or kind of mid-level directors making films this year. So I can't really think of anything in Korea at the moment. Hong Kong, though, and China, we got some really, it's, it's going to be a really big year, just starting from from New Year. Uh, so let's not even talk about new, uh, new Year in China, because they have like 10, 15 films opening on New Year's Day. Just in Hong Kong, we're getting only a, a, a portion of these films. Um so New Year this year is in is on February twelfth. So let's start looking at February, I mean February nineteenth, sorry. So let's start looking for, uh, a week before that. Um we will have uh the K- the cinema release. So that includes both East Green and West Screen. We'll have the Kingsman, the the um spy film from the director of Kick Ass. Um we'll have Fifty Shades of Grey, of course both our most anticipated film of 2015, even though we'll never admit it. <laughs> and then, so that's coming in for Valentine's Day. It's a really odd choice for Valentine's Day, though, I think, mean, Kingsman. But 50 Shades of Grey, I can kind of understand. So that's already a big weekend, I think. And then the week after, 19th, which is actually the new New Year's Day, we'll have number of, I'm counting right now, one, two, three, four, five, six seven eight nine ten ten films ten new films opening on february 19th on one day um so i'm just gonna go down the list here for west green we'll have the penguins of madagascar which i understood you've already seen paul right yep in the states yep. uh yeah it's a couple months late but you know kids films are baked during new year's because uh just because you know everyone's off on holiday and kids like to have something to do so that also mean we get the yearly uh pleasant goat and big big wolf film the chinese animated franchise um that's also opening in china um you have an inspector calls which is the new package's new new year film uh produced by weiwin wong this stars louis ku eric Tsang, and Teresa mo and it's directed by herman yao um we also have from vegas to macau 2 the uh new the jing sequel with uh Fat returning and uh with nick chen Karina lao and sean yu added to the mix this time around um we'll have the uh doraemon 3d 3d uh, cg movie stand by me doraemon which uh, actually a lot a lot more attention to this one because the recent death of the uh, voice actor who who dubbed Doraemon's voice uh, in Hong Kong. Um, Doraemon, if you don't know yet, is the really famous robot cat from Japan. You know, it's blue and and actually pretty much an iconic character here in Asia. Um we, we should look and I think Paul, you ought to know. Who thought I am on right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. So, so that's that's. I think that has a chance to be the front running film of of New Year New Year. Um, we also have the film version of Triumph in the Skies. Uh, if you don't know Triumph in the Skies, is a TVB drama um, about airline pilots that's already had two seasons. Um, and of course Francis Ng is gonna return with um Julian Chen who was the star start the second season. Um, or the co-star rather and this time we'll have Lewis Koo and, and, and Sammy, Ch- uh, Sammy Chang oh god I just forgot Sammy's name My oh, god it's too early <laughs> it's like early onset health- Alzheimer's I don't know what's going on um, um, yeah so so those two and, and, and this time uh, Wilson Yip is back to directing uh, he'll be co-directing with Matt Chow but Matt Chow also has another film uh, he's directing 12 Golden Ducks which is the sort of a companion to last year's Golden Chickens. Um, Once again, Sandra Ng is going to be starring, but she's going to be in a a man suit, a male bodysuit with abs. (laughs) It already sounds kind of nuts. But yeah, and then there'll be a lot of... uh, um, uh, cameos by you know male actors like you go, of course you got Louis Ku and Nick Say is gonna be in it and um, the the new trailer reviews a ton of cameos and I think I'll, I'll throw a uh, I'll link to Paul later so he can throw it on um on the website um, yeah those that's what we got just coming this month so I think it's gonna be a pretty interesting new year, new year the movies right Paul yeah
0: it looks like it's gonna uh, be packed I don't know how I'm gonna get out to see. Uh, everything, but uh, we're talking about most anticipated films, uh, at least for the near future. For for this bunch, um, I've got to go with Triumph in the Skies, really, uh, yeah, because I'm a big fan of both the series. Although, I'm uh, I'm a little bit hesitant because I, I have a feeling that uh, I'm going to be disappointed with the writing. Um, because if, if for people who followed the series, they know that the second series um ended up with uh Francis um's character in a very particular place uh in his life romantically and now um to, to try not spoil it too much, but because a certain actress is not listed in the cast uh um, <laughs> it seems like that that entire thing, which was the basis pretty much for much of the second season. Uh, has been thrown under the bus, so uh, I'm. Well,
1: you talk about the actress that Francis Ng has vowed never to work with again while yeah, these yeah. series is airing. Yeah, so... That's
0: a that's a that's a bit of celebrity gossip that we don't want to get too much into, perhaps on the first episode. But um, needless to say, that I'm a little bit worried about how they're going to handle uh, continuity and those things. Um, uh, I haven't. I mean, uh, I haven't seen. Um, I've seen the trailer, but I, I, it's not clear to me um, who the, you know, if, if the romantic connections are, um, you know, if it's going to be like a love triangle between Francis and Sammy, Louis Koo, and, or, uh, Julian, uh, and, but I'm, I'm curious to see what happens, but I, I love the series, and so I'm, I'm curious to see how it does on the screen, and, um, I, it, it was, I think part of it was the nostalgia, because in the trailer, they play the Eason song, from which was the theme song from the original series, they didn't use that in the in the second season.
1: Um, Which had- prompted a lot of complaining, actually, from, from fans here locally. Really? Really? I'm, yeah. I'm surprised about they that. They really hated the, uh, oh my god, here we go, I'm going to piss off someone now. No, <laughs> the George, they they really hated the, the second season theme song so much that it was a huge, Um, it went, the complaints went viral. Hmm. So, so I mean, TVB and, and Media Asia, all the producers, they sort of went like, hey, if we're going to make a movie, we should, we should buy the rights back to that original song so people stop complaining. Yeah. So that was a huge part of the show, apparently.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a good move, but, um, again, I'm curious to see what, because, uh, the the second season kind of did this too. They, there were, there were some characters that were very vital, uh, and relationships in the first season that, you know, they didn't get hired back for the second season that just kind of got no mention (laughs) whatsoever. (laughs) And they just kind of plowed forward. I'm a little bit afraid they're going to do that, uh, that this time too. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just have to, uh, have to wait and, and see, but that's, uh, that's one I'm really looking forward to. I know there's also, we've got a Chow fat movie. I'm kind of excited to see that, but I know there's a lot of dislike for the first film from last year. Um, so you know, we'll have to see, is this more of the same or, or, or does it go in a slightly different direction? I mean, um, Chow fat and Korean Lao, two pretty big heavy hitters. Uh, I'm, I'm, Excited to see them doing a
1: Hong Kong movie together, and according to the trailer, lots of lots of lots of explosions. Yeah, and uh, and a child have two guns again. Um, so clearly, I, I hope that they have a lot of fun making these movies, and I hope that it will, that that fun will be will be carried uh, over to the audience. Um, it, let's think about looking further. Um, Hong Kong directors, of course, there's always a new Patrick Kong film coming. I mean, there's at least two. In the making, this year, um, I'm trying to think of what else are coming. I mean, match match. already has two movies coming in this month, and I think there might be a few more. Um, the Hong Kong International Film Festival in April might have a few films um, uh, being shown to us. Um, a huge possibility um, of a new new Pano Chen produced film, if if not star, uh, if not directing. Um, Coming this year because he's already finished, uh, recently finished the directorial debut of his uh, cinematographer, Kenny Kwan, um, they shot in Hawaii. Uh, I think that recently finished production or now is post-production. So we may see that this year. uh, On the China side, we have a new film from the director of *Painted Skin Resurrection. Uh, it's a adventure, like what of those tomb raiding adventure kind of thing that's coming in in December. Is that
0: not related to the Painted Skin series, or
1: no? No, it's a new. It's actually based on a very. Fa- it's called the Ghouls, and it's uh, based on an eight book uh, series. About like these these uh two archaeologists or adventurers who are like cursed and they have to undo uh, their spell by traveling to different relic sites and, and and apparently um the company that's producing that series only bought the second half of the series, so it's gonna be very interesting how they pull off a new franchise with the rights to only the second half of a book series, mm. but yeah the that's I think mean, starring Huang and uh, Chen Kun. Uh, and also, is it Angela Baby or Maggie Q? Um, I think Angela Baby is also in it. But yeah, uh, they just finished, I think they wrapped the shooting during post-production for the rest of the year. That's coming December, so that's, I mean, that's about as far as we can look, right, in terms yeah. of this year. So yeah, um, hopefully another exciting year of movie going coming up in 2015.
0: All right. Well, what, uh, what else is on the news front? Uh, anything from uh, outside of Hong Kong we should look for?
1: Yes. um, Something more specific this week and sadly something a little more tragic. Um, Martin Scorsese is in Taiwan right now, Taipei, uh, getting ready to shoot... Um, the adaptation of no, a novel called Silence I think uh, it's quite a well-known book um, and Scorsese's been waiting to make it for like two decades now but the film is finally ready to go and the set was built and there, uh, the stars were arriving in Taiwan already but sadly on Thursday morning there was an accident on the set uh, apparently some construction workers were reinforcing a building that was deemed um, unsafe by structural engineers uh, and Unfortunately, the building collapsed during that that work, and it killed uh, one worker and injured two. So, the accident has sort of set back the the beginning of filming. Um, it, not indefinitely, though, because I think the shoot the stars have arrived and and they are getting ready to shoot. Um, so, good news is yes, Scorsese filming a, a film in Taiwan. Um, it was apparently uh, encouraged to do so by Ang Lee, who shot. Life, much of the life of Pi in Taichung. Um, Scorsese said shooting in a studio in Taipei that was um, also used by Ho Shao for his film. But the bad news is, yes, it started, it's already started off on a um, very uh, unfortunate note. Do you, do you know what is silence about? Why are they shooting in Taiwan? Well, Silence is set in 16th century Japan, and it's about uh, the plight of Christians um, in the country, because it was at a time where the authorities, I think, were trying to clamp down on religion, and a lot of the good Christians were kind of went underground, and, and I think it stars Andrew Garfield, I think it's a Jesuit priest from Portugal, who was sent to Japan, and uh, it's about how essentially the plight of these Christians and and how we see it from the priest's eye. The film also stars Liam Neeson and uh, Asano Tadanobu, who you might remember from uh, Thor, Mm. the Thor franchise.
0: All right, so I got the plot, if it's Liam Neeson. uh, Andrew Garfield gets kidnapped, and Liam Neeson has a very particular set of skills that he uses (laughs) to go and rescue him
1: with a samurai sword. But yeah, uh, Taiwan, um, I think they can't shoot in Japan because, I mean, it costs too much and there's really not that much um, room or logistical difficulties and things like that. And like I said, I think Ang Lee, after shooting, he had a very positive experience in the life of Pi. And reportedly, his, he had been, you know, telling his friends, his friends in Hollywood to, hey, look, Taiwan's a great shooting place. The, the crew is whatever. And you can keep the budget low or low enough, a workable budget uh and in taiwan has a lot it's very natural beauty mm-hmm. um and the fact that they have this entire studio which is the uh it's called the chinese movie and culture center which was the central motion pictures studio up to the 80s and then it closed down but they still lend, lend it out once in a while to film shoots like i said uh ho xiao shen's film was shooting on that studio um so, so I think they were lot, logistically, it, it just gave a lot of advantage for Scorsese to shoot in Taiwan. And uh, remember, uh, last year, Lu Song also shot much of Lucy in Taiwan as well.
0: All right. Well, something to look forward to. Um, and hopefully they can continue the production without any more uh, tragedies such as the one that happened. So uh, on a lighter note, on our final bit of news,
1: uh, what do you have for us? Well... This is probably the biggest news ever to hit the uh, East Green, West Green world. Mr. Michael Wong, our favorite thespian here in Hong Kong, who only speaks English and very bad Cantonese, um, is now a singer. He has signed with Sun Entertainment um, to release an album or at least a, 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 a contract as a singer. And he has released his first single called Airways of Love. Um, Paul, have you had a chance to listen to his song? I have,
0: uh, <laughs> and I can't say any more than that. Uh, I will try to, try to put a, uh, a short clip for listeners out there who, uh, who, who might be listening to this and ha- don't have the opportunity to rush to YouTube uh, to listen. But when I tell you to rush to YouTube to listen, you must do so. Um, because he sings in English, but there are subtitles. So, yeah, you can uh, follow along and you can sing along and you can make this your favorite piece of karaoke, if you so desire.
1: Yes, the best part is that this song is, uh, well, let me go down the list here. It is is, uh, composed, uh, uh, arranged and produced by uh, Calvin Avon. I have no idea who he is. But the best part is lyrics is by Mr. Michael Wan himself. Yeah, and it shows. And and if I may, if I may, I'm going to recite a few of the lines oh you gotta uh, sing come on i'm not gonna say i'm just gonna recite a few of the lines okay can i take this moment to express this feeling because you got that warm place i've never been in bring me to your place and open up your space moving around till face to face can i take this
0: moment to express a poet and he didn't know it <laughs> oh my oh, gosh
1: first show <laughs> well
0: we always knew he was a good singer i mean take this take this as an example uh, uh, uh. Uh, yeah. so there you have it um I mean i know he, I know he's always been into music um he's he's plays the saxophone, yeah, uh he, and had a, he, he had
1: a jazz album, yeah,
0: he had a jazz album, but uh I just after looking at the video, I don't know if uh i mean he always I, fall back on lyrics, I guess he's surrounded by yes men, or he just has no filter because at what point do you just hear yourself singing these lyrics and 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 hear your voice and go, yeah yeah, I can do this,
1: you know. Um, but, no, no you know. I think I think he, he's at an age where, you know, I, I think he can pretty much do kind of like, well, it's it's time to pursue his interests. And, and I think, you know, it's fine. You know, if mm-hmm. Michael Wallace to pursue an interest as a singer, i you know, go for it. We, Hong Kong has a lot of singers, actors, singers who possibly shouldn't be singers i'm not going to name any names and (laughs) um
0: and some people who possibly shouldn't be actors or singers or helicopter (laughs) pilots
1: but they do so anyway and we love them for it so so you I, i and you know i i Think as long as he enjoys it, and you know, at this age, if you're not doing something you enjoy, why not? Then, yeah. then, what's the point of living? So, yeah, um, just... you can buy, you can you can sort of uh, uh, participate in Michael Wan's dream by buying the single on iTunes or watching the video on YouTube, which only currently has um seventeen thousand views, which is much much lower than I expected. Yeah, well, word of mouth will get out
0: from the show and it'll take off <laughs> yeah so uh uh you know more power to him uh you know i, I guess he's uh, he's living the dream as they say uh but we'll have uh a- a- any other relevant michael wong news that comes up in the future uh, we'll be sure to uh let
1: you all know now uh,
0: did you did you say already this isn't this is just a single
1: or is this a whole album he's doing this is a single so far, but he did mention uh, in the making of, yes, I did watch the making of, um, that, that he signed a contract as a singer. So I assume there will be a, a, a an album coming and surely we'll be posting links to every possible ye- retailer selling this album and hell, I will buy five copies of it and give it away myself when mm. it comes out, right?
0: Yeah, excellent. Maybe we'll have yes. a contest here. That's right. Michael Wong albums. Uh, so you know, pay attention, folks, and uh, you never know some some good uh, good tunes might be headed your way in the near future. Shall I read a couple more lines? For, no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to get you to do a full reading, uh, uh, maybe on the next episode.
1: The entire <laughs> album when it comes up, <laughs> you'd, be like, you'd be like slam See, poetry. You, you, you,
0: you can be like Shatner, right? You, and just
1: uh... <laughs> I want to wave. Oh, wait, (laughs) ride
0: in the waves of your
1: tide.
0: Okay. All right. I think it's time to move on. Shall we? Yes. Alright, so it's time for our film review for this week, and that film is the latest from uh, China director and actor, producer, uh, many other roles and hats that he wears, Zhang Wen, uh, and that is Gone with the Bullets. So, brief synopsis of the film. Uh, It's Shanghai in the 20s, and whereupon uh, an individual known as Wu Seven, the seventh son of a notorious general, uh, seeks out Ma Ri to help him with a money laundering scheme. Ma Zori, played by Zhang Wen, and his partner, police inspector Zhang Feitin, uh, played by Ge Yo, decide that the best way to do this is by holding an international escort competition. Uh, Ma Zori has a ringer in the event, uh, played by actress Xu Qi, uh, who, with whom she has an on again, off again relationship, and she has her mind set on marriage to Ma. Uh, but when she unfortunately turns up dead after a night on the town, a big mystery opens up and Mazuri's fortunes are left in the hands of Wu Six, the uh, older sister of Wu Seven, and an aspiring film director. Now, that's probably as concise as I can give you for a film review, and that probably makes this sound this film seem very straightforward and coherent. <laughs> but it is not. So um let me talk about a couple highlights first before I i get into the full dissection of Gone with the Bullets. So we have, as I mentioned, Zhang Wen in the lead role as Ma Zori, Gao as Zhang Veitin, uh Zhou Yun as uh Wu Six, and Shu Qi as uh the uh companion. Uh the, she's uh she plays an escort. Um, I guess the strongest Hong Kong connection here, of course, is Shu Qi. Uh, she there's also a connection to uh, Ge Yo, even though they don't the two of them don't share a lot of on screen time together. Her m- m- most of her on screen time is with um, uh, Zhang Wen, uh, but you'll remember they were in the film uh, "If You Are the One" uh, and the sequel uh, some years back. Um, and full disclosure on this film, I kind of nodded off. A couple <laughs> times for brief moments uh, but it's a long film two hours 20 minutes and um, it's not uh, it's not a narratively cohesive piece of filmmaking i would say um, the film features quite a few set pieces and i liked many of the set pieces it, it comes across as uh, quite vaudevillian at times um the first hour is kind of working to set up the second hour so the first hour is all about this scheme that they're doing and it's got some very big production numbers going on um very lavish production uh, i i mentioned uh, after the film i was somewhat reminded of the great gatsby um the the you know the recent uh, leonardo dicaprio production just in in the scope uh, you know they they've got a um, like a big musical production that goes on um, they're playing with a lot in terms of some of the language and 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 some mention of, of history um, there's a lot of back and forth between the leads um, uh, Zhang Wen and Guyo. Uh, and and it, you know it's like I said it's it's somewhat vaudevillian very 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 much stand up at times where they are sort of hosting this competition, so that first hour really works for me. But after that, it starts to descend into the realm of what the heck, because there's just some moments of strangeness that it seems like um, I was watching like Willy Wonka or something that uh, they have these moments where just strange things start to happen. And sometimes they explain the strange things and sometimes they don't. And a lot of times uh, things are left to the viewer to try and, and make sense of. So the film shifts in tone. Um, and for me, that, that, that starts to really take off in, in sort of the second half, um, which for me is where things start to really... Uh, fall apart um i think a lot of people are probably going to go into this film because of the english title um and because of the director and because of the cast uh expecting kind of a let the bullets fly redo and i'd have to warn you that that is a mistake because this is really nothing like that film um There are a couple of humorous beats, I think, that are similar, but beyond that, I mean, this is not really an action film in any way, shape, or form, though there is, um, there are a couple, there's like two sequences that stand out, but, um, you know, you, you just don't have that same sense of presence that Let the Bullets Fly had, and that same sense of, um uh i guess the 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 notion of the competitiveness that that's going on there here what we what we're given is we're given um kind of a mystery um and you're not really sure even by the end i would say as to um the nature of that mystery so i don't want to throw out too much to to sort of spoil it for those planning to see it but uh it's apparently it it, as i had some discussion and maybe kevin can can clarify me on this point this is based on a real case um and and so basically what happens is that once mazori's fortunes um kind of shift and he's thought to be a murderer um people start thinking about what they're going to do with him and he's kind of on the run wu Six is this aspiring film director and she wants to make a movie, uh, about the event and she wants to kind of capture him and use him, uh, as the actor in the movie. It's basically him playing himself. So kind of like a, a modern day version of, um, um, you know, cops or uh, America's Most Wanted or, uh, you know, some, some other kind of true, true, true crime, uh, documentary, but where instead of, a reenactment uh by actors you have a you know reenactments by the the people involved uh so it goes in that direction for a little while and but it also introduces uh some new characters such as uh the general um the general wu mm-hmm. who's the father of wu seven and wu six and his many wives and uh his new wife he's marrying um i guess a, what appears to be a russian uh, woman at at one point they have a big wedding and they, they sing opera and there are just a lot of these moments interspersed that seem like set pieces that they're doing it for the sake of doing it rather than for uh, the sake of the narrative um, which in itself can be interesting if, when you again you look at the lavish productions and you see uh, the nature of how these things go um you can kind of just sit back and let this wash over you, but if you're trying to piece together and and to make sense um a, a lot of what's going on um yeah it 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 gets comedic at points um there's a car chase scene at, at one point and then at the end there's sort of a long monologue uh by mazori um as he's basically confronted with uh, being captured. and I, I, I don't feel, feel like the film really has a solid resolution, but maybe that's the point um, that the director here, Zhang Wen, is playing with ideas and he's leaving it up to the audience to make sense of it and he's not going to tell you because uh, that's not his style. He's not a per, he's not a director who's going to give you the answers. Um, but my question is, are there any answers
1: there <laughs> to be given? Or I, I think it, the thing with the film is that um, <clears throat> John Wynn is in a way, like, very show-offy um, of his own intelligence, and he's a very intelligent man, is is pretty much not a, a typical actor-turned-director in that he's very much a true artist, if you know what I mean, he's very well-studied, and um, if you watch his films ever since, like, um, In the Heat of the Sun, and... Sun also rises, devil on the doorstep, and those are very unique artists. Who especially even even uh, let, let's fly. It's almost to a point where you you can write a four thousand word essay just to prepare audience on what they have to first watch, and what to know about Zhang Wen and all the all the little la- literary references that the film makes um, in order to understand it. I mean, the film is definitely not seen in reality. I mean, in the first half hour, they 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 do two huge stage production that hadn't even existed at the time. I was I was pointing out that in the pageant scene, there is a whole dance number uh, with a theme of uh, South Pacific. But World War 2 hasn't even happened yet, so why would they be doing a South Pacific set piece in the 1920s? That's yeah. that's the kind of world that we're living in, where you watch Gone with the Bullets.
0: Yeah, and and there's mention of things like songs from Gershwin and, and other things that are temporally not Proper for, for the era, but again, I, I, this this is what gives me the sense that um, he he's really just more playing with the, the overall set pieces and 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 seeing what he can do and sort of stringing them together. There's um, there's some sequences that are done like in old style film footage, black and white, um, with the characters that are very well done. Uh, very you know, and as I said, the, a lot of it is the banter between uh, the two leads, Goyo, and Zhang Wen which is always good but I think both of them are uh, amazing when they're on screen together Um, uh, for for her part Xu Qi is fine but she's really got a very minor role Um, she's not in um, the film a lot but uh, when she is there of course she has a presence my big problem is they dubbed her um, which led me to ask the question this is a film in Mandarin in Putonghua she speaks Putonghua And they dubbed her, which I thought, you know, we've talked about this before. I always think that's an insult to actors um, because you're asking them to come in and do a role and then you're getting another actor to do the voice, meaning that they're not doing it well enough or they're not doing what you want in terms of the vocal performance. Um, And I know that she's a big draw, but I mean, they... If they wanted an actress who could do a certain kind of accent and Shu Chi could, why not just get a young, attractive access actress who could do that role and you know, give her a break?
1: Well, to be fair, a lot of these issues come up in post production. Like, I think even up to the trailers, we, had, we heard Shu Chi's voice, and there was a possibility that John Wen was asked to dub her with someone that's more authentic voice. So, it actually it was dubbed by a, um, an anchor at CCTV. Mm. in China that already sounded somewhat similar to Shu Chi, but you know, Shu Chi has a very distinctive voice, so in the end, yeah, everyone could tell that look they do she's dumb. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um yeah, but uh as I as I said, um uh, this is a film that is, is does have a historical connection. So Kevin, you have a bit of insight on that historical aspect?
1: Yes, uh, well the obviously the the film itself isn't really a uh, a uh, uh, um mm. It's not complete It's not a true story in a sense. Yeah, it's not a complete true story in a sense, but the very uh basics of the case um is actually the source of um or the original material that served as a basis of China's very first feature film. Um and it's about the just like in the film, it's about a notorious murder and a murder that was so in, in nineteen twenty Shanghai and they, and it was a beauty pageant winner or something like that or beauty queen or something like that and it was so notorious that that they made films about it and it became the the subject of the very first feature film made in China. So even in a way, Zhang Wen is referring to the history of filmmaking and the state of filmmaking by covering this case which is why I said you have to really really read about 4,000, 5,000 words about what kind of references that John Wen is making in this film like you have, the, you have Don Quixote and you have um, he even references his own life in one scene where it talks about where Maduro talks about going to France and and meeting someone, and because uh, he married uh he was married to a French woman uh, for eight years, um, so yeah, so, so you really have to know like every single reference that he's making to kind of even get to somewhere near to like what messages that he's... and I'm not even talking about one message. He's talking about multiple messages. He's he's covering the. The sensationalism of you know criminals, um, uh, how the media sensationalized the case, and how we pr- prosecute people just by what we're told, and and the the age of you know new money in China and old money, which apparently is like a ending never ending cycle because always new people with new money, uh, in society every society and things like that. And yeah, it's a very dense film. But yes, in first of all, yes, it it's really is based on this this case which led to. First feature film made in China, which is already something to think about when we're talking about what what John Wen is talking about in terms of you know filmmaking or what he's talking, what what he's uh, what he has to say about filmmaking. Yeah.
0: So um, <clears throat> yeah. It, it and as as I mentioned, it, it, there's a moment where it kind of breaks the fourth wall. Um. So it it does play around with a lot of sort of cinematic conventions. Um. I, I, as sort of a a summary to to let people know where they kind of stand with the film, I'd say it's worth, it's, it's definitely a film to see. I mean, for films coming out of China, it's definitely one to, to, to go out and watch, especially if you like John Wen or Goyo. I mean, they made the film for me, both of them. But at the same time, uh, I think that once it gets into that second hour, it's going to be less accessible by mainstream audiences, um, especially people who maybe are come coming off of Seeing the Chow Yun Fat film, uh, Let the Bullets Fly, and thinking this is more of the same, because <clears throat> it's really not. So it's a good film to see, um, particularly if you just want something to look at for you know, two and a half hours, and you don't really care about trying to pick up on everything. Because uh, I think I think that you know Kevin's point is is valid. The idea is that there's a lot going on here um, some of it might come across as very, as almost like an in-joke at times that, and, and I think the main, a mainstream audience is probably not going to be in on a lot of the jokes. And so it might leave them scratching their head a little bit, but visually it's a very, very stunning. Um, the, the production numbers are great. The music is great. Uh, a lot of time and effort, uh, went into that. And, uh, so if you're somebody who likes, you know, musicals, um, and those things, you'll get a lot out of that that first hour. Um, and even I, I'll say that they do so they do quite a bit of CG work um, because this is a period piece, and so there's a lot of detail to the sets, um, to some of the um, outside montage shots, cars on the street, and sometimes you know you can tell you're looking at CG, but still, overall it gels very very well, and it's a very beautiful and pretty film to look at. Um, so there's a lot there. For uh, somebody who appreciates really good art direction uh, and really good production value, so uh, I see it definitely go out and see it um, for the, on those merits. But um, if you start scratching your head about midway through, uh, don't feel bad because I'm right there next to you.
1: <laughs> I do have to add. Um, I actually seen the film twice. I saw the 3D version. It was actually shot in 3 It's actually one of the first one of the first uh, uh, Chinese films I think to be completely shot. Very few 3D films in, Hong, uh, in China shot nat- uh, um, the word? natively in 3D, and this is one of them. Um, so I saw a 3D version in, in China. And unfortunately, and this is a complaint that, that was so wide that even uh, Sarf had to put a memo reminding theaters to up their screening quality. Um, unfortunately, the 3D print was really not up to par, even though the 3D design, I don't know if you could tell, Paul, but there were a lot of little touches of 3D. For example, the first um, introduction when we see Zhang Wen and Ge-Yo coming out on the stage, uh, they have a bubble and the bubble, it, it, it slowly comes right at the audience and, you know, you have people throwing hats and, and things are thrown in the air and uh, even the first, very first shot of Zhang um, of Wen's back of his head slowly coming out in 3D and in, 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 I think in proper 3D it looks fantastic, but of course in current, um, in the China version uh, the, the DCP print had a lot of problems uh, and th- cinemas weren't showing it properly so um, uh, yeah, that if, if we do try and watch, we are able to watch it, uh, try and watch it on a proper 3D print to see what Zhang Wen was up to visually, um, we watched the 2D version here in Hong Kong um, and it finally felt like the movie was in color that's how bad the three really d was, um but yeah, just a little note for for audience out there who, who who might be watching this film somewhere uh maybe in berlin or or wherever place uh, after this
0: so do you think that they're gonna do um a
1: a three d blu-ray or d v d release of this um well, there's no idea cuz we only had the 2D version here in Hong Kong and that's the only real viable um, home video solution coming up um I'm wondering if this will be if this is going to maybe lead the charge in China
0: with uh you know the the the, the 3D, 3D Blu-rays 3D Blu-rays and 3D DVDs um if if they're going to try and push that I I mean cuz I don't know if the 3D televisions are big up there um I know that when I was in the states
1: it's like they they're pushing those uh, pretty hard yeah it's gotten to the point where essentially you just buy a tv and it has 3d function i bought a tv new tv last year and it comes to a 3d function so um yeah and my blue and i'm all 3d equipped and i wasn't even even trying to be 3d equipped it's just like all these equipment happen to have 3d enabled so um I, I really hope that someone will release a 3d version of it um china is not huge of course the physical video market is not huge in china and all the blu-rays are Drastically overpriced at this point, so I'm not sure what they would do with the home video release. Um, but I'm hoping the Hong Kong, uh, the distributors here will, and they are the producer, essentially Emperor Motion Pictures, the producer of the film, and I hope that they put in money to to produce a three D Blu Ray so we can finally see it properly, even if it's at home, uh, the way that Zhang Wen intended the film to be seen.
0: All right. Well, that's our review this week for. Uh, gone with the Bullets, and I think that's going to wrap things up for our seminal episode here, our first episode of the East Screen podcast. Um, so we thank you all for staying with us and listening. If you are an old listener or a new listener, we are very pleased that you're here with us. Uh, next show, episode two, uh, we will have more news from Kevin, and we'll be doing a review of The Gigolo. I guess this is the Woo! first, uh, the first technically the first hong kong film of 2015 we've had uh we've had a couple films before this but they're kind of on the cusp of the the 2014-2015 release um release schedule so i think according to the hong kong film awards they are both those were both 2014 films this is the first 2015 film am i right with that assessment kevin
1: Yes, in terms of uh, talking about what counts for the Hong Kong Film Awards, um, all the Hong Kong films that have opened so far uh, has been counted for last year. That We talk about Dearest, uh, Peter Chan's Dearest, and Pang Ho Chun's um, Woman Who Flirt, right? I think, I'm not sure if there's anything else. But yeah, they they played late December in Hong Kong's preview shows, whatever. So they all qualify for Hong Kong Film Awards in 2014. Not that the Gigolo is... Okay, never mind. I'm not going to talk about Gigolo. But yeah, Gigolo is the first... 2015. <laughs> yeah. First 2015 oh, oh, film and
0: the first category 3 film of the year and uh Woo-hoo. yeah, well all of that and more, much much more <laughs> including nudity <laughs> on our next show. Uh until then, this is the East Screen podcast saying uh something. I don't know what did we used to say.
1: <laughs> well, good night and good luck. Good night and good luck. <laughs> oh, now we used to say, uh,
0: "We wish you good viewing, and we'll see you next time." But we gotta come up with something new, right? This is a new show. We we need, we need a, a you know a new slogan. So may all may your popcorn always be buttered. Uh, or something I like, like that. Caramel
1: popcorn, as I don't know what <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. we've well, we, we,
0: we we pop- at the caramel and the chocolate, so yeah, we'll work on a we'll work on a closing uh, for for the show. But yeah, all of that and more next time. So thanks for being with us, and we'll see you then.
1: See you next week, everybody.
0: Coming up on this episode of the East Screen Podcast. Actually, I have no idea what I'm going to say there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so used to the old format. Uh, All right. Let me just uh, start again.